0: Welcome to the AMC Stock Story Podcast. I'm your host, Russell Corey, and this is not financial advice and I am not a financial advisor. This is solely for entertainment purposes as I talk about my experiences of investing in AMC stock and becoming an AMC ape. Episode 30, AMC Glory. There's a scene in most movies when you have your hero, your protagonist. And there's been someone that's been fighting them the whole way. Most movies call it the antagonist, the bad guy, the a-hole, the, um, the bully. You see the guys, you talking to my girl? You know, that guy. Um... And there's a scene near the end, not quite the end, but it's near the end of the movie. And the hero's close to fulfilling their objective, achieving their goal. And it's a scene where this bad guy who's been putting the hero through so much, making him suffer, bullying them, Abusing them, whatever it is. And then there's that scene in the movie where the hero finally gets the best of this bad guy. And people love it, they cheer it. Now, usually he bests the bad guy, and then they go on and achieve their goal finally. Who's the bad guy in our story? It'll be the hedge funds. I know um, one one brokerage that everybody likes to point the finger at and say there's the bad guy that's the bad guy Robinhood and I get it I'm with you you know in, in GME what stop GME Robinhood took away the buy button stop that momentum and they, oh, they said, well, it was because of this, you know, just the clearinghouse. We we had to do it. I mean, hey, nobody, nobody hated doing it more than us, but we had to. We didn't have a choice, blah, 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 blah. A million lawsuits later, they'll figure that out. um But I remember that when it happened in January. I remember watching, you know, Cuomo and CNN, and he had flat on, you know, trying to understand the situation. What exactly went wrong? And and uh, what was going on? And how the hell do I make this kind of money the next time? So I remember watching it. Well, anyway, you know, outside of the hedge funds, Robin Hood became our bad guy. And we had a scene earlier in this movie. It was Robin Hood's big moment. They went public. And the stock came out, big deal, it was a big surge. It went all the way to $70.39 a share. We liked that. We liked it when our stock was in the 70s, right? Felt pretty good. But there was Robinhood, $70.39 a share. On that day, do you know what AMC was at? And this was after, you know, obviously I'm sure you know, but this was after you know, we had our surge to 70 back in uh June. No, this was um, I think it was August 4th when this happened. And AMC at the time was $29.84. Kind of a low point for us in this during this post uh 72 high, right? Getting pushed down to 29.84. We had to look up at the bad guy, the bully, company that took away the buy button on the GME play. Well, Hood, Robin Hood, right now, as I record this, $44.12. $44.12, which isn't bad, right? Hey, not bad. But AMC, where are we at right now before pre market starts? $47.57. We passed them. And hopefully we'll keep passing them today. But that's the part of the movie we're at right now. It's that scene where we've passed one of our antagonists. Maybe not the main one. Maybe this was the flunky or the stooge henchman, and there's still the main bad guy left that needs to fall. but we got we got this one right at least for now. We'll see what happens. You never know. but that's that moment we've we're not there yet. We're not there yet. but we're at a good spot in the movie right now. This is when things really picking up. A few more things go the hero's way and it's it's awesome, you know. but we're not there yet, but it feels good. and the momentum is there. Some would say maybe the signs were there, right? talked about the the signs. And I know we're having fun with that, and um, I don't take it that seriously, but hey. If it works, I'm I'm going with it, right? Now I mentioned before, obviously I can't I can't send you a picture of a dream. I can't prove to you I had this dream. You either believe me or you don't. <laughs> either way, you know, I know the truth and if you don't want to believe me, don't believe me. Um but if you want to believe me, great. And I I probably could have, you know, maybe got a picture of the Lamborghini when I was driving, but it came up so fast and so sudden. That for me to grab my cell phone and try and get a picture of it would have been, one, too dangerous. And two, you know what? I wanted to enjoy that moment. I'm, I'm as guilty of this as anybody. And this has almost been my whole life. Like, if it's important, if it's a big moment, I have to capture it on either videotape or get a picture or camera. How, mon- how many moments in my life have been experience through the viewfinder of a camera or a phone i do it all the time it just seems natural it's like it's almost if it it doesn't happen if i can't record it and play it back and watch it i remember one time i was you know i lived in southern california and i was flying back east and i was flying out of burbank california just it's just um a little north of you know hollywood los angeles it's funny if you ever see a picture of the hollywood sign it's on the hill right Especially if you see, you know, a lot like video or a film, um, a shot of the Hollywood sign, and as you, you know, you're coming up to it close. They're doing like a close up, or you know, shooting it from the air, and you look over the hill, and you kind of see a little town over the hill. That's Burbank. It, Burbank's on the other side of the Hollywood sign, the working side of Hollywood, as I like to say. It wasn't not a very glamorous city, but Walt Disney Studios are there, Warner Brothers Studios are there. Universal Studios aren't too far away from there. Um, DreamWorks, their animation isn't too far away from there. Nickelodeon, Cartoon Network, they all have studios in Burbank. I always considered it the working side of Hollywood. Meaning it's not the flash of like Beverly Hills or even the touristy Hollywood area. Um, But I always loved it. I loved Burbank. Oh my God, I love Burbank. Because I grew up in a small town. And for me, living in Burbank, I felt like it was a small town. I didn't have to pay to park everywhere. You didn't have to valet your car at the grocery store. Um, I just liked it. It wasn't as quite as crowded as other parts of Southern California. Was it a little boring? Yeah, yeah, maybe. It didn't have, you know, beach access. Okay. But it wasn't like the hippest, coolest place to live. But that, hey, I, I certainly wasn't the hippest, coolest person, right? I love Burbank. All right, so... There's an airport there. That was the other awesome thing. They had the. It used to be called Bob Hope uh, Airport. Um, I don't know if it was just called, the. it might have been called the Burbank Glendale Airport and then they changed it to Bob Hope Airport. But anyway, there's a small airport there. So it was very convenient to fly places. Um, it was only a few minutes away. You didn't have to drive to LAX. So I'm flying home one time and there were bad winds and they didn't want to put a lot of fuel in the airplane. So they said, well, look, we're going to, we're going to fuel up here a little bit. We're going to fly to LAX, get more fuel, and then we're going to take off from LAX because there's mountains in Burbank. And I guess they didn't want to run the risk of, you know, hitting a mountain or anything. I think that's what the case was. So bottom line is we were flying from Burbank to LAX, Los Angeles International Airport, which is literally just right down the freeway so it was like this really quick plane ride and completely unexpected so all my stuff was packed away this was before cell phones I had a video camera um, that I was always filming stuff with my video camera but it was packed in the overhead and I couldn't get to it so we took off from Burbank and we're flying low over the city it's almost like your own private flight over Los Angeles, no, really cool views. Not the standard flying into LAX view. It's a little different. One of the cool things we flew over was Dodger Stadium, and we're fairly low, and I'm and I had a perfect view out my window, and we're flying by, and right over Dodger Stadium, and then if you look out um, a little past that, you'll see downtown LA. And it was just this beautiful, you know, view, and I remember feeling that. Because I didn't have my camera. And I couldn't capture it. And it was almost like it didn't happen. Even though I was watching it. I couldn't show it to other people. You know. And it was hard for me to just accept that. And not feel bad that I couldn't capture this moment. But it was like that was my special view. And I just got to enjoy it. And um, and it was kind of like the same thing with the Lamborghini. I could still in my mind see that beautiful orange Lamborghini coming up the street. Right. And then even in the parking lot, seeing the, the Zeus Bronze C8 brand-new Corvette. Um, I probably could have got a picture of that, to be honest with you. I just didn't think about it. I used my phone for work, and I didn't want to take it out of the app and everything. And again, you are driving. I was driving at that point. It's slower speeds because I'm kind of in a parking lot getting out. But um, I, I didn't get a picture of it. But I did, I did and I told the next... Uh, a couple of days later, when we went to, a, I was going through a McDonald's drive-through, and the and I told and I told you this the sign like when I talk about signs, there was a sign from my old neighborhood that moved away from my old apartment, and I didn't see him again for like ten years, whatever it was, thirteen years, whatever it was, until the last day I was moving out, and then he happened to be driving by, and when he left, he was divorced, and I felt bad for him, and when I saw him, he now years years later. He had, he got remarried and he had two, you know, two sons now and was in a much better place in his life. And I took that and I had just gotten engaged. I was getting a new apartment with my fiance. And I was, you know, you, you worry about, you know, life and how it's going to turn out. And to me, that was a sign from God that things are going to turn out. You're going to be okay. Right. So we're talking about signs. And then the next day after I told this story, I got my receipt from McDonald's. Um, We were on the way to In-N-Out, but my kids like McDonald's because they get Happy Meals. So we went to McDonald's first for them, and then we were going to go to In-N-Out. But the receipt from McDonald's, the order number on it was 1320. And the address at the apartment where I felt like I saw the sign from God was 1320. So I kept the receipt. I still have it. I have my In-N-Out placemat that they gave me, so I took, and I, and I found a picture of the old apartment at 1320, so if you want to see this, it's, I did, it's on Twitter, you can do hashtag thevelf.com, I was trying to think of something, if you just do AMC, there's so much stuff tagged AMC, you'd never find it, you'd, you'd spend too much time, uh, it is tagged AMC, hashtag AMC, but you can do hashtag thevelf, T-H-E-V-E-L-F, thevelf. And you should be able to find it right away. Um, and you can see the receipt in the picture of the old place. and uh, That was $13.20. Um, I was joking at somebody. I said, I'm, I'm probably going to sell a share at thirteen twenty dollars just because of the, out of respect, one share, at least one share at thirteen twenty. dollars Anyway, no signs today. Outside of a, a very nice, solid green day. And another step forward to hopefully the mother of all short squeezes. And maybe that will be the next episode. No, I'm kidding. It's not the end of the podcast yet. Trust me, I got plenty. Plenty to talk about today. So it was a very good day. And a lot of times when we've had a good day with AMC, I call or talk to some of the people I talked into investing to kind of check in with them because I don't think they'll be so mad at me at this point. Um. And one of those people was a good friend of mine. And we had been in Boy Scouts together. We went to the same church. We didn't go to the same high school. We went to different high schools. But we, we I mentioned that I, I was a junior transfer in college. He was also a junior transfer from the same school. And he went to the, the other school. He was East Carolina. And he transferred to the University of North Carolina, Chapel Hill. He was interested in film and television. And same as me. In fact, at one point, one of the first cool jobs I got out of college, I was a production assistant on Candid Camera. They were going around the country doing remote locations, and they needed production assistants when they got to these locations. So they were in Raleigh, and I was lucky enough to have friends that that got us a job, and I was always one of my favorite jobs and always thankful for getting that opportunity. Anyway, um, so what they would do was, and Dom DeLuise was there too, And we set up this fake Dom DeLuise Productions that, uh, and one of the bits they were having people temps come in to do stuff, and then they would do the candid camera bits with the temps in the office, right? Well, anyway, I guess my friend was working for the temp agency, and they knew he was interested in film production, so when they saw this thing, this you know, asking for temps for for the Dom DeLuise Productions, they sent my friend. knowing that he wanted to, you know, be involved in TV and film. So I'm there as a PA just kind of, you know, trying to keep out of sight. Um and my friend spotted me and he's like, w- you know, what are you doing here? And and he ended it ended up blowing his chance to be on candid camera because the produ- the producers saw that he recognized me and they thought he was compromised at that point. Um so he never he never got to be on the show. Anyway, we were very good friends, and um, we'd lost touch for a while, and then when I was going back for our high school reunion, I think it was my 25th reunion, I think it was, we we got in touch and we saw each other, and, um, and it was good to catch up, but I think we were both kind of feeling some of the frustrations in life about, you know, neither of us became successful filmmakers, unfortunately. And we were kind of feeling the frustrations in life. We went on to just, you know, decent jobs. But I think we both felt like cogs in the wheel and kind of trapped, like, what's our purpose in all this? Are we just here to buy things and pay bills and that's it? You know, it's a song, is that all there is? And it always hit me because I could, you know, relate to that. And he was a really good guy. So anyway, when I was in my evangelical phase, going through my mental Rolodex, Of all the people that I I really liked in life, good people. These are the people you, you know, you know a lot of people. And some you like, but, meh. And other people, they really come across as having good hearts. And maybe they've had some things go against them in life. I certainly can relate to that. And you want them to have a win. And that's the people I really reached out to uh, when, this, when this happened. And I thought I thought AMC was a license to print money. Well, anyway, he was one of those people. And I, I found him on Facebook. And we had been in touch when we tried to get together for the reunion. So I still had his phone number. I called him out of the blue and gave him my whole AMC pitch told about Facebook, just like you guys listening to the, the very first episode, you know, I gave him the Facebook story. Then I gave him the, you know, GameStop story, which I thought ended when they took away the buy button and all those people got stuck holding the bag at $40. Too bad for you. Good for the people that made, you know, got made like bandits, got out at 400 at the top. And I thought that's what was the story. It wasn't. There was more to it. Oh, boy, was there more to it. Little did I know. Little did I know. Actually, I'll get to that later. So I gave him the whole pitch. And we talked, we talked for about two hours, you know, going back and forth, talking about the old times. And he was asking me more about AMC and this. And, and the thing about him was he had cash. He had savings. You know, he could do this. He's also still a single guy. He didn't have kids to worry about. Didn't have a wife. He had to run things for. He was a single guy with a lot of cash. And um he was going to do it. So he, he did it. And, uh, you know, I think we touched base a short while later. Either he called me or sent me a message or something and let me know he did it. And I was happy for him that he got in. And then, of course, everything happened. And I felt bad. And when it got back into the thirties and stuff, I I reached out to him and I called him and I said, Listen, I'm sorry, you know, hang in there. I'm I said, I'm with you too. I'm there, I'm right there. You know, but I'm still buying shares. So, you know, it was it would and it's it's been nice so I, I yesterday I called him again. Just to like check in, it's like, hey, how how are you doing? You know, you you he's, you're back in block yet? Anyway, he um when we talked, he told me what his in, initial investment was going to be. But it turns out, after we we talked, he ended up, he ended up going in and, and doing more. And I was, listen, we'll see how this turns out. But I was really happy for him. And it's because he realized this. He had that epiphany that I did. When I was investing my Roth, and I had these mutual funds, and I was taking from the mutual funds... And putting it into AMC. And every day I would take a little bit more out and put it in. Cause I was I had the old thinking, right? You, you you have to be diversified. You have to have something to fall back on. Right. And then I realized, my God, if this thing really does explode, and you get this once-in-a-lifetime explosive growth, and half your buying power was tied up. In a mutual fund that was doing, I'm not going to say it was doing nothing, but it was just chugging along. You had a chance to get in that Ferrari and do 150 miles an hour. And you were, half of your buying power was stunk on a choo-choo train. Yeah, I, I cashed him out. I went all in. Whether it was foolish, whether it was the best decision of my life, we're going to find out. Hopefully soon. But he went in. He, he realized, hey, if this happens, I could retire a millionaire. How many chances in life do you get that opportunity? We've talked about it. You can go to Vegas. Take everything you got and go to Vegas. Bet it all on black. And if it comes up on black, you've just, what, doubled everything? But if it comes up on red, you've lost everything, Right. At least with this play, if, if, you know, hey, I'm into it, and it's been crazy, and if at this point I had enough and I'm done, I, I, I rode the dip, I came, we came back, I'm back in block, I could cash it out right now and walk away, right? And I still have my money. I did my play. It didn't work out. I got my money. You can't do that in Vegas. <laughs> you know, once you make your bet, that's it. You win or you lose, and you lose, it's gone. Here you lose, you can hang in there, you can hold, and maybe it comes back. So it's a little more forgiving than Vegas. Same thing with like a sports bet. You know, you can make a sports bet, but, you know, you lose, you lose. Your money's gone. Um, You could commit a crime, deal drugs, something illegal to get that money, but then you get caught, you're going to go to jail, or you get involved with uh, nefarious individuals. It could be worse than jail. You get killed. Right. Okay. So that's probably not a great idea. Um, you could inherit the money if you know somebody that's gonna you know die and leave you money. Someone you know has to die for that to happen. So you know that's not always the best best way to hope to make money. Waiting for somebody to die. Right? No. It's that's not. No, you don't want to do it that way. You could come up with a business, an invention. And what did I tell you about that? You want to make a small fortune? Start with a large fortune. It costs money to do all that stuff. And it's hard. It's, t- it's a tough, tough road. So it's, it's hard to have these opportunities where you can make explosive growth or real estate. But you got to have the money to buy the real estate in the first place before it skyrockets in value. Okay. So he went all in. And I was, I was happy for him. You know, it was a big risk, but it was also at that point, you know, he had taken the initiative. I didn't feel too bad anymore because he knew the play. And and after I had encouraged him, he went even more. So I knew he he believed in it as well. And I hope, I hope, hope, hope this pays off handsomely for both of us. And the next time I go home to North Carolina, we, we have a heck of a dinner. <laughs> Go to the Angus barn in, in Raleigh. <laughs> we have a heck of a dinner, you know. And at that point, we, you know, it won't matter who picks up the check. We'll, we'll see. We'll see who comes out the better of when they, or uh, who had the better exit strategy gets to pick up the check, right? Okay. So it was great. It was great talking with them. And, um, you know, we call this episode AMC Glory. We haven't gotten the glory yet. We're close, though. We're close. We can still taste it. Right now, and one of the things he's, we're talking about, like strategies and everything, and how much money do you really need, right? At a certain point, if you're rich, you're rich, come on. But he said, you know, the more money I have, the more good things I can do with that money. And I think there's a that's a good point. That when this happens, we should do good things. This is such a blessing, you know. Obviously, I need to take care of my family and take care of some things here, but at a certain point, I want to step back. And I'd like to, you know, do something to show my appreciation. What it is, I don't know, right? I don't think I could live with myself if I became a complete selfish jerk and never um, showed appreciation for this this amazing event that happened that changed my life, hopefully. Knock on wood. So I talk about doing... Well, one of the things that I, I want to do is, you know, I, I do Instacart, right? And I want you get an order from Instacart... You look at it, you see well, what do what do they want? How many items, right? How much is Instacart Instacart going to pay me to do this, and then how much is the customer going to tip me? You can see what they're going to tip ahead of time. You put all that together. How far and how far you have to deliver it, you know. Um. So, like, you could see, you know, an order for you know twenty items. Instacart is going to pay you. You know, who knows, 7 to $10, depending on the order, uh, depending on how far away it is. And let's say it's five miles from the place. And the customer is going to give you a, you know, $10 tip. And everything looks like a pretty average order, right? You say, all right, you know, that's not bad. I'll, I'll do that. Costco ones, you know, sometimes the tips are pretty generous, right? So anyway, one of the things I want to do in the future, if I make, you know, my millions, hopefully is every once in a while, I'm going to use Instacart, and I'm going to order one thing. And um, I'm going to order one bottle of Grey Poupon mustard, right? And I'm going to leave a $50 tip. (laughs) And that'll be my my good deed for the day. You know, how many times, you know, can I do that? How many of these little bottles of mustard will I collect? you know cuz i i appreciate the people doing instacart and i was right there with them and let me tell you the customers that give you a real tip god bless them they're the ones that make it possible for you to earn a living doing instacart customers who don't leave a tip i don't i don't know what they're thinking i you know in certain situations let's say you're an elderly person and you don't want to go to the store cuz you can't get covid you don't want to get covid and this is the only way you're going to get your groceries, and you're on a fixed budget, and you only have so much money, and sometimes you have to make hard decisions between medication and food. <laughs> okay, y- you don't leave a tip, that's fine, but I don't think that's most situations. People, I don't, know, I don't know what they're thinking. Like, oh, I really got one over on the Instacart driver and shopper. And the funny thing is, so Instacart sometimes they'll combine orders. They'll, they'll send you, you know. There'll there'll be a batch, and there'll be two orders on it, right? And um, you don't, you can't. The tip is combined for both orders, right? So, like, let's say there's, you know, you have two orders, order A, order B, and the total of tip for both orders is ten bucks. But you don't know did tip A is tip A five dollars and tip B five dollars, right? And a lot of times, what happens is these orders with no tip, people tend not to take those so they combine that one with a decent tip so you take the order and then you go back later you can look and look at the breakdown after you've completed your delivery and you see you delivered groceries to a house that had no tip and if i if i deliver to a really nice house and it's like from costco like hey you know you must be doing pretty well but you didn't tip your driver Wow, you know, or it's a, or if it's a, a puny tip like a you know two bucks, and it's a huge Costco order, and it's you know ten, twelve miles away, nine miles away, and you you leave a two dollar tip for that. I I it it's hard, but you know that's that's life, and um, but that's one of the things that I'd like to do is order a bottle of Grey Poupon and leave a fifty dollar tip for people every once in a while, or, you know, people working in restaurants. I think that's the one thing that, you know, funny thing about charity is like, you can write checks and you can donate to things and you really never know how your money's going to be used, right? And if you're an ape out there listening to this and you want to do something, this is something I would encourage you to do, right? If you're going out to eat spend at a restaurant, and maybe not the fanciest restaurant where people are used to getting huge tips, right? But just like a regular restaurant. And I don't know, maybe you're not going to go to those establishments anymore after the mother of all short squeezes, right? But if you go somewhere and you know there's a waiter or waitress, you know that person, um, they're probably not a millionaire, right? And they're depending on those tips. And you want you want to do charity, you want to do nice things for people. But then again, you know, you want to make sure the money's getting used. So, like, let's say growing up, you know, homelessness never, it wasn't really a big deal till like, the 80s. And that's when you would see homeless people. And I would do stuff in high school and go on these group trips. And the counselors would always say to you, look, when you see these people, don't don't give them money, right? Just don't do it you know you don't have to cuz you're a kid and you see someone who needs money it's it's instinctual to want to help right i'm catholic i was you want to help the least of your brother right but people say well sometimes they they just do this so they don't have to work uh they're going to use it for drugs and alcohol you don't know you really don't um you don't know what you don't know what the sucker i you know it's funny not too long ago i was coming i i just come out of a, doing a, shopping at a store and this guy comes up to me and he's like, oh, you're working and I'm so sorry, man. But my, I, was, I came out, I, had, I was going to do this job for this guy and I, I'm out of gas. I need two bucks for gas and anything you can do. I gave him money. I, I don't know. I guess maybe the guy had his wrap down. Like it was maybe he said, oh, I know I feel stupid. I don't know if it was because he humbled himself before me or whatever it was. Or I understood what it was like, you know, to get a tip. And, and to be you know, need some money. I don't know what it was, but I gave him I gave him a couple bucks. Not much, but a couple bucks. Probably what I was gonna make on a tip myself. But you never know if it's a scam or you're genuinely helping somebody. I think if you really honestly knew this person needed gas to get somewhere, and maybe, you know, I I think about it all the time. I forget my why I go out and I forget my wallet, right? Like you, you, just something like, oh, I have no money. I have no credit cards. I'm vulnerable. And what if you get somewhere and you order something and you don't have any money to pay for it, or you needed to get gas and you didn't have your wallet or your credit cards? How are you going to get gas? And I was, and I'm in a desperate situation. And I don't have, say, I don't have my cell phone either. How am I going to get in contact with anybody to, to, you know, fix this right? And then you ask somebody, hey, this is crazy. I need to borrow ten bucks. If you give me your you know stuff, I'll give it to you. they're like, sure,'ll I'll never hear from you again, right? You never know what's real and what's not, right? Well, if you see someone working, a waiter or waitress, they're working hard, and they probably could use every dollar in that tip that people give them. All I can say is if you're an ape and you score really big in this, be the biggest tipper. You can be. And that's one way you can help people and be charitable. But if you want to help someone that's trying to help themselves, that's a good place to start. You know, go out for a good meal and treat your waiter or waiter or service person, treat them well. And that's a good way to pay back. You can find charities and other things, but that's just a really simple way. Become a really good tipper. Because most of the people that work for tips can really use them. All right, so here's a really good sign for you. It uh, we're a few minutes into the uh, pre-market and AMC is trading at forty-eight dollars and fourteen cents. So that's nice to see that forty-eight, and uh, hopefully it can hold and go past. Maybe we'll get to fifty. Have a fifty party. I have to admit I will, I'll be fairly emotional if it gets to 50 and holds at 50 because then my dad and my father-in-law will be in the black again <laughs> and will have come back from 50. And this was quite a journey from, you know, early July from when we, we went from the 50s to the 40s to the 30s. And to come back to the 50s would mean a great deal. To me, And I hope it means a great deal to you. So we haven't quite got the glory yet. But you want to know what? The episode before this was AMC Guts. And if you didn't have the AMC Guts to get into this gambit. And you didn't have the AMC Guts to stay in it. To keep holding when they dipped it on us. Then there, you don't have the AMC glory. No guts, no glory. It's as simple as that. I mean, it's it. I still buy. I still bought some shares. Don't tell my wife. But I bought some shares <laughs> because this thing. This is how they get me. They always get me. There's a nice run, run of a few bucks, right? And it's at a decent price. You know, in the mid-40s, that's still a pretty good price. Listen, I bought in the, in the mid to high 50s. I might have even bought a few shares in the 60s, right? But what happens is the price starts to go. And you're in a situation, look, you know, it, it, it thirty at $34, at $29, it starts to go. There's room. You can see how far that run's going to go if you want to pick up some shares. It starts running, you know, at 45 bucks and it gets to 47. You're like, uh, is this thing gonna run to 50 to 60? And is this my last chance to buy these discount shares? <laughs> right? So I'll usually grab a couple. What does a couple shares hurt? The last train out of town. Get as much on before you go, right? Um, and it's funny, when I talk to my friend, the same thing happens to him. As soon as I hit the buy button, it goes down (laughs) every time. And even, you know, I talked about converting some of my AMC into GameStop because I thought GameStop might be a better play in the long run as we approach six figures. And it was basically trading for every five AMC shares I had, I could get one GameStop. So I took a small percentage, a small, small percentage, and – converted those AMC shares into GameStop shares. And cuz GameStop had, had had a big surge the week before. So of course GameStop is not surging this week and AMC is. So I quickly soon regretted converting those AMC shares. Had to learn my lesson again, right? How many how many times do they have to teach me old man? I'm the old man. They had to learn the lesson that time. So anyway, but i ta- that's one of the things I talked to my wife about. I was having second thoughts about this because really if we get to a point where AMC and GameStop catch up to each other and they're both going for $100,000 a share, then really it was a bad mistake because you could have had five times as many shares if you had kept them. Uh, kept those share that GameStop share as an AMC share and it really depends on when you want to sell it's very subjective the bottom line is I won't know if this was a mistake or not till after I'm done and after the squeeze has happened so but at this point when you're sitting there watching AMC you know run and you know GameStop has to go do keep to keep pace it has to do five times better so if AMC goes up a dollar then GME, those shares I converted have to go up by $5, and they weren't. And they were getting uh, getting behind. And at a certain point, you say, listen, I could turn the car around now and fix this. And it might cost me a few AMC shares in value, or it might cost me, if I want to make them up, you know, a, a couple hundred bucks, whatever it is. But I can take care of this problem now for, you know, a few shares or a couple hundred bucks, right? And then if in the future, they're both trading at $100,000. Now, if I hadn't done that, that, that problem I could have fixed for $200 is going to cost me a million dollars, right? Because I could have had more shares. What does that sound like? you know somebody recently that might have shorted a stock, and they could have bought it back at $2, $5, and they didn't? And right now, they'd have to buy it back at, you know, $48.28. And maybe soon, $50, 60 $70. And maybe soon after that, $100, $200. Would have made a lot of sense to buy that stock back at 2 bucks. So I kept five GME shares in my Roth. And I have one in cash. So those are my stealth bombers in the end. And, and listen, if I was right, if that instinct was right, and say AMC peters out. It you know some people say realistically five thousand dollars. Not I'm not a financial advisor. I'm just telling you what some people say. Right? They say five thousand is going to be the end of the bracket. Um, some people say ten thousand, and lucky to get to ten thousand. Other people are die hard diamond hand apes, and they are they're not selling a share till it gets to hundred k. Some five hundred k. Right, and if that is the case, um, that that AMC does go that far, then great. But if AMC peters out at thousand dollars, five thousand becomes too volatile, and it's just, you know, we just want to be done with it. We can't take the risk that the next dip that we think is the dip is actually the end. Right, so we get out with our AMC shares. But but GameStop, because there's less shares involved, less people involved, is showing stability. And it's cruising on its way to a hundred thousand, and it's showing a lot of strength, and not just a hundred thousand, two hundred thousand, three hundred thousand, a million dollars a share. And I'm just talking crazy here, just to prove a point. And I had sixteen of these shares, and I had second thoughts and went down to five. Whoo! You never know, but that's I won't know. And I really had nothing to base that on other than this assumption that possibly GME would be a more stable stock when you got to those six-figure numbers. It was a gut call, but all my gut call <laughs> was seeing now... Let me actually just take... I'm going to pick a peek at GameStop. Let's see in real time here. So GameStop is at, at 220 84 right now, right? When I converted these... Um, uh, GameStop was 205, and AMC was 41, right? So AMC right now is at you know 48.24. So let's just say it went up seven dollars, right? So the GME stock would have had to have gone up by 35 dollars to keep pace with that, at least at this very low level. Which doesn't really make sense because I'm not cashing anything out at $40, $50, $60. It's psychologically weighing on me, though. And um GME at this point would have had to have gone to $240. And it might. It could do that jump. But it hasn't been doing that jump. And that was the only thing I could base the decision on. Um and and I did that I like I said I've got I got out of the other the naked shares that I had the big shares I had I I got out of those I didn't have many it was only like 10 shares of each I think maybe 20 of the 20 to 30 of the naked cuz they were only 67 cents a share but I got out of them I went back to what I felt comfortable with AMC and I have a few GMEs there just in case who knows who knows um But hopefully, um, you know, I went back and I I went back to AMC on the other ones, on most of the other ones, and we'll see if I made a mistake or not. It's all, it all just depends on when we sell, really, and and what the stock, how the stock performs. The theory could be right, but then we just sold early, you know, just because we got spooked or we achieved our goal and we were happy and we could, you know, the bird in hand is better than two in the bush. So there's a lot of factors that go into play for that. Well, listen, I hope today is a special day. And maybe today will be the glory that we want. Maybe we have an amazing run today. We get in, you know into the 50s in pre-market. And when the market opens, it goes up to 60. And who knows, maybe we reach an all-time high today. And it just keeps going. And maybe the MOAS doesn't necessarily have to happen today. Um, but we're in that realm. We we're in that part of the story where we're we're finally there. You know. So once again, I thank you for listening. I I it means the world that people are listening to this. Um, it's been a great outlet for me. And who knows? You know, I don't know what will happen when the mother of all short squeeze actually happens. And maybe it will be today. And maybe the next episode of the AMC Stock Story will be the mother of all short squeezes. But we'll find out on the next episode of the AMC Stock Story.